Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Okay, we'll continue with Life of Troy. Um, we enjoying this? How are we doing with trying? Do you feel like a bit of um, I should probably towards the end of this series get a few of you up and say what you've tried. How's that sound? You're all shrinking in your seats, so I can see you visibly, aren't you? I keep, I keep, I keep getting nudges from God, but, I, but then I, forget, I kind of get them five minutes too late. So I'm saying, say, God, can you bring them a bit forward in my brain, please? Because I think I should have done that. And so I'm, I'm still trying to get much better at um, this. I think one thing, yeah, interestingly, what God spoke to me about this morning in terms of surrender was time. Are you prepared to surrender your time to me? And I thought, I was quite struck by that because it came kind of left field in my head. And uh, I was thinking, God, why is that so important? I think it's because we try and manage so much of our time, don't we? We try and control so much of our time. And in doing so, we kind of become little gods in our own right, I think. We try and, we try and believe we can control every aspect of our lives. And so God was speaking to me this morning about time. Are you prepared to? And I think as I surrender more time to God uh, or, or, or more of my control of time to God, then that'll make more space for opportunities to try. So who knows? That's what God's been saying to me live this morning uh, a few moments ago. The aim of this series is to help us partner with the activity of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get better at listening to and responding to the activity of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said the Father's always at work. The Father's working continually around us by his Spirit. And our job is to try and tune in to that activity of the Holy Spirit. And we see Jesus encouraging his disciples time and time again to kind of open their eyes and to listen and to look and look beyond the obvious and see what the Holy Spirit was doing around, uh, around them. So these nudges come to us in different forms. The Holy Spirit comes and he gives you a little nudge and he's trying to encourage you and I into moving with what the Father's doing. When we respond to an invitation to follow Jesus, which I think probably most of us have, but some of us are still maybe on that journey, effectively Jesus says, follow me, follow me. Christianity is never static. Jesus said, follow me to the disciples. And the, the, the Bible talks about keeping in step with the Spirit. And there's many more dynamic uh, analogies used for, for you and I as believers. We're supposed to be in motion with God. We're, ne- we're not designed just to take hold of a set of, of doctrines or religious traditions and kind of hang on to them. We're designed to be in motion with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gives the ability to do that through his spirit. He puts his spirit into us and says, you can be in step with me by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads us more and more into love and truth and transformation. So as a a believer, you should be being transformed from the inside out. Yeah? That's what's going on in your life all the time. Jesus is transforming you more and more into his likeness. You're your life is a place of transformation and you're also supposed to be an agent of transformation where God has placed you, in your home, in your community, in your workplace. So you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus called this activity the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of God is coming. And what he meant by using that quite old-fashioned language, we don't tend to talk of kingdoms anymore, do we? Unless we watch Game of Thrones or something like that. You know, we Kingdoms, you know. A kingdom used to be a place where a king got to have his way. If you were in a kingdom, then you were under the protection and rule of the king. And when Jesus uses the term kingdom, uh, which is translated in our Bibles that way, it means where God's rule and reign is, where God comes and, and, and has his way. 
And when God comes and has his way, there's love and there's truth and there's transformation and there's grace and there's compassion. And so when Jesus said the kingdom of God is coming and has come, God gets to have his way. And when we invite Jesus into our lives, we're inviting a little bit of God's kingdom into us. So we then become part of the kingdom of God. Paul talks about us being rescued from the darkness and brought into light. It's like there's been a raiding party come and taken you from the, the dark kingdom and brought you back into the light kingdom. And so now you become this kingdom agent going around by the Spirit, bringing transformation to the people around you. And when Jesus was on earth, he gathered a group of people around him who wanted to do that, and he called them disciples. And it's a, it's a funny word, but it just means learner or pupil. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a pupil in Jesus' school. <laughs> you're, 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 in, you're, you're enrolled into the school of Jesus if you're a, a disciple. And so these people wanted to know what Jesus knew, and they wanted to do what Jesus did. They were disciples. They were, they were learners or pupils. And Jesus not only taught them through parables and different teachings, often quite confusing ones, they struggled to understand, uh, he also modeled to them what life should look like. He went around and showed them what it looked like when the kingdom of God came in a place or at a time, or when the kingdom of God interacted with a person. He showed them what God's fullness looked like by demonstrating the kingdom to them. But the interesting thing is that Jesus was human. He wasn't like a mini God walking around dressed in human clothes. He was human, and he was fully human. In fact, the Bible tells us he emptied himself of all his godliness to come and be and live with us, to be fully human with us. Uh, the Apostle Paul describes it like this in Philippians. He says this, talking about Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, many Christians think that because God knows everything, that Jesus must have known everything too. He walked around like a little Wikipedia. You know, he knew everything, future, past, present, everything. He must have known about gravity. He must have known about DNA. He must have known about nuclear fusion. He must have known about all the cosmos. He must have known everything about everything because he was God. That's what they assumed Jesus was like. He was God. He just did wearing, wearing human clothes. He must have known about how the cosmos worked, about dark matter. He must have known about black holes. He must have known about everything about everything. But the truth is that Jesus wasn't like a mini-God clothed in human clothes. Some 17th century theologians took this to the end conclusion. They believed that because Jesus was God and Jesus was human, therefore he must have been perfect in every way. He must have been the greatest artist, the greatest musician. Hand me your guitar, I'll share to lead worship. He must have been amazing at everything. He could have picked up a racket, a football, a golf club. He could have done anything and been perfect at that thing because he was God. He would have been the greatest doctor, the greatest poet because he was God in human form. And today you might wonder if Jesus was walking around now and he was a betting man. He could have just done the lottery ticket, could he? One next week. He could have solved the problem of the energy crisis. He could have done anything because he was God in human form. So was Jesus just like this guy? Was he just pretending to be human? Was he just underneath the shirt and the robes, just Superman, pretending to be human, to walk around 
And, but he wasn't really human. He was just really God pretending to be human. And if we know how Clark Kent does things, don't we? Because underneath the glasses and the shirt, he's Superman. So they're just a disguise. He just wears them to fit in. But we know underneath the glasses, which amazingly works so well to disguise him, um, we know underneath them that he's really Superman. And that's how he does all the amazing things because he's not really human at all. He's not of this earth. He's Superman. Is this how Jesus did it? Was Jesus just Superman underneath his robes? Was he just pretending to be human? But underneath it all, he was just like this guy. No, is the answer. Jesus was fully, fully human. And the way he did the life that he did and the way he demonstrated and taught his disciples was because of the Holy Spirit within him. He walked and lived by the Holy Spirit. He could have done it like Superman. He could have come as God, just pretending to be human, and just walked around doing all these incredible things underneath the robes. He was Superman, super God. But Jesus did what he did and he lived the way he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells he laid aside all advantages of being God to come and fully dwell with us, to be human amongst us. He did it so he would do it just like we do it, or we're supposed to do it. He did it by the power of God's Spirit. The American author Max Lucado, he puts it this way. He says this, The universe watched with wonder as the Almighty learned to walk. Children played in the streets with him. Jesus may have had pimples. He may have been tone deaf. Perhaps a girl down the street had a crush on him or vice versa. It could be that his knees were bony. One thing's for certain, he was, while completely divine, completely human. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He got colds. He burped. He had body odor. His feelings got hurt. He got tired. His feet got tired and his head ached. And to think of Jesus sometimes like this feels quite irreverent, doesn't it? That Jesus was fully, fully human. It feels uncomfortable sometimes to think of Jesus in this way. But if you and I are going to live a life of try, we have to understand that we, we walk with Jesus. We live as Jesus lived in his humanity. We do the stuff that Jesus did by the power of the Spirit that was within him and can be within us. We're led by the Spirit just as he was led by the Spirit. The fact that Jesus wasn't some sort of superman meant that he lived with the same uncertainty that you and I live with. He lived with anxiety. He lived with the mystery of life. He would have lived with hope and despair. He would have experienced all the emotions that you and I experience. And so Jesus showed us how to do life, a life of trial, a life of trying to keep in step with the Spirit of God by responding to what he was saying day by day, week by week. And so kingdom trying is trying as Jesus tried. It's trying to walk as Jesus walked. It's trying to respond to the leading of the spirit that he responding to. And kingdom trying is discipleship. That's what discipleship really is. If you want to know what, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, it means to try to respond to the Holy Spirit day by day, week by week, year by year. And the challenges we've looked at over the past few weeks, we can all put them forward as ways and reasons why we don't want to respond to God we're we're fearful we're we're frightened we we face rejection we the mystery the understanding the uncertainty all these things can be barriers to us responding to Jesus but we have the same free will that Jesus had we face the same choices that Jesus faced and so he has shown us a way to live 
kingdom. He's shown us a way to try with the kingdom. And so how can we get better as a discipleship? How can we get better at responding to the Holy Spirit? Well, I think Jake touched into this a couple of weeks ago. He said, we need people around us. We need some degree of accountability. We need encouragement. Not in a heavy way or a, or a kind of a examining type way, but we need people around us who encourage us back into the things of God. It's hard to be a believer on your own because you swerve inward, you swerve away from God, and you swerve inward. But actually, in a community of differing people, we can encourage each other into the things of God. A guy called Jordan Seng, who's the pastor of Blue Water Mission Church in Hawaii, he came up with five discipleship questions that I want to go through with us today that help us keep each other accountable and help us respond to the things of God. We saw, didn't we, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian, that Philip responding to the nudges of God, responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that great conversation that Philip ended up having with the Ethiopian because he responded to those nudges. So the first question that Jordan came up with was a very simple one. What's God been saying to you recently? So if we're in relationship with the living God, and we're in relationship with a God who loves to talk to us and loves to convert with us. Jesus said, I live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God, a continuous description of God speaking to him. And we're drawn into that same kingdom reality. What's God been saying to you recently? And this is a great question to begin a conversation with anybody. On a Sunday, what's God been saying to you recently? Great question. And straight away you're sitting there thinking, what's God been saying to me recently? And everyone straight away is thinking about this question, what's God? And it's not supposed to be a heavy question. It's just a reminder question that you and I are in a conversation with God, just as we're in a conversation with each other. And we can, we can talk to God, we call that prayer, and we can listen to God because God also wants to speak to us. And part of growing in a life of try is tuning into what God wants to say over, over my life and your life. And it can be something very small, like this morning I felt God say to me, you need to surrender your time. So I need to do something with that now. What am I going to do with that thing that I felt God said to me this morning? He, he didn't say that to you, he said that to me, because he's in a conversation with me. And so we can encourage each other into kingdom living by gently asking each other, what's God been saying to you recently? What's God been saying to you? Remember, we said, didn't we, how it's easier to follow God if we're in motion with God. Remember that? I said if we're in motion with God, it's then easier to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so if we can create a culture in Riverside where we are expecting to hear from God, then we're creating a culture where we're more responsive to the Holy Spirit, we're more responsive to what God is trying to do with us and through us. And we get more comfortable asking each other questions like this one. What's God been saying to you? And it encourages us into an expectation that God is going to chat to us and God wants to put us in motion with the Holy Spirit. You see, we said, didn't we, that if we're in relationship with God, we can forget that so many other things are going to come and distract us from responding to God. There's so many other things in your life that are going to distract you away from the purposes of God. But if you come along on a Sunday and someone chats to you and says, so what's God's been saying to you? You think, oh, yeah, I remember now. I'm a Christian, aren't I? I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus. Oh yeah, okay, I should be listening to the Lord. Okay, not in a heavy way, not in a religious way, just a reminder way. And we can use this question with non-believers, with people who aren't people of faith. You can say to them, 
a great rephrasing of this for somebody who's not a follower of Jesus is, what do you feel led to do in your life right now? It's a great way to have a meaningful conversation with somebody who's not a believer. What do you really feel led to do in your life right now? What's, what's going on? What's, what's important to you? Everybody wants a life of purpose, don't they? Everybody wants to find purpose in their life. They want, they want to focus into a deeper meaning. And most people often don't really think about that. They go through the day-to-day and the routine. They don't really think about what do I really want to do in my life? What's, what's important to me? And the next question really just links into that. It's a great second question. What are you doing about that? So you can ask me next week, God said to you last week that you should surrender your time to him. And you can come up to me and I'll give you the permission. You can say to me, what are you doing about that? What are you doing about what God said to you? Now, because I know you're going to ask me and I've given you permission to ask me, I'll be have to think about that this week, won't I? Because <laughs> if I say nothing, you're going to go, well, mm, okay. What sort of pastor are you then? <laughs> so I'm holding myself a little bit accountable to you and a little bit accountable to God to say, what am I going to do with what Jesus has spoken to me today? Because discipleship is follow through. Discipleship is follow through. And what I mean by that is to be a disciple of Jesus is to respond to what he's saying to you. Because that's what a pupil or a learner would have done with a rabbi back in Jesus' time. So discipleship is follow through. What do we do with what God says to us? Because if you say to me, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I say to you, what's God said to you? You say this, I say, what have you done about it? You say, nothing. I say, well, how does that work then? You know, are you following Jesus or not? Because if he's speaking to you and encouraging you into something, then what do we do with that? Discipleship is follow through. So we can encourage each other into following through on how we think we should respond to what God has said to us. And if we encourage each other to respond, we're more and more likely to see more of God's activity in our lives. Amen? You're all looking absolutely terrified. Jesus loves you, and he wants to encourage you into so many things. He's not setting an exam before you. He's not trying to make you fail. He's not trying to put things in front of you you can't do. He's trying to encourage you into fullness of life. That's what he promises to you. But he does that step by step, little by little. So what are we doing about that? And again, a great question to ask somebody out on the street. You've told me you want to do this. So what are you doing about that? How are you taking that forward? How, how is that going to work for you? When I left my job to go into pastoral ministry many years ago, uh, I walked around the company I was working at and said goodbye to all my friends and colleagues. And uh, I lost count how many of them said to me, oh, I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that. I actually think this is what I should really be doing in my life. I should be doing this. And the only thing I'd say to them was, so what are you, what are you doing about that? They thought I'd escaped the system. But they had the same choice that I had. They had the same fears that I could face. They had the same uncertainty that I had stepping out of uh, you know, a very successful career in engineering and IT into essentially the unknown of ministry. They had the same choices. So all I could say to them was, if you want to be a writer, what are you doing about that? If you want to go and work in the creative arts, what are you doing about that? You know, Because you only get one go at this. And uh, you, it's a great question to ask of each other. You know, what are you doing with what you feel God is saying to you? And that leads into the third question, which is a great one. What's getting in the way? What's stopping you responding and doing what you feel led to do? 
This is a great question because it helps us to identify the obstacles in our life, what's preventing us from moving into what we feel God is saying to us, moving into purpose in our lives. Because it comes down ultimately to a question of priorities, doesn't it? You get one chance to live this life, so how are you choosing to spend it? What are you choosing to do with it? Many of us say, oh, I've, been, I've been just been too busy to, to kind of respond to what God's saying to me. I've been too busy to kind of push into my purpose. Is that a good excuse? Or I'm, I'm waiting for this to change. I'm waiting for that change. I'm waiting for it just to be right, and then I'll, I'll move into that. Is that a good excuse? We talked before in this series that, that in, your, in your purpose is kingdom power. If you're in step with the Holy Spirit, if you're doing what God is, is saying to you, you're, kind of a, in a, you're aligning yourselves with the things of heaven. You kind of align yourself with God's purpose. And that's what Jesus did. He aligned himself with the activity of the Holy Spirit. And in that was kingdom power. The word is dunamis in your, in, your, in your Bibles. and It means like the power that a seed has to become a huge tree. So in that seed is all the potential. A giant redwood seed is literally this big. The sequoia seed, and it produces a tree 100 foot tall. In that seed is all the potential, the dynamis for that tree. And so when God speaks to you and nudges you and says, how about this, do you want to do that? In that nudge is the kingdom potential for huge things. Jesus said the kingdom is like a mustard seed, didn't he? A tiny seed, a mustard seed, the smallest seed he could, he could, he could, he could say they'd understand a tiny seed, and that seed grows to be a huge tree in the garden that brings shelter to many. The dynamis in the mustard seed is the potential of the kingdom. So when Jesus speaks to you and nudges you, in that nudge is the dynamis potential for all that God wants to release through you. You got just a mustard seed, God. That's just a tiny thing. How can I step into that? God says step into that, and then that, and then that, and that. And he who's been faithful with little will be faithful with... Much as we step into what God says and releases to us. What's getting in the way? What's getting in the way for you today in responding to what the Holy Spirit is saying over your life? Jesus gives us a spirit to get the job done. He's encouraging you into the kingdom. And as you step into that, as you step into that promise, then there's power and provision released through that dynamis of the kingdom. It says in Ephesians, sorry, in um, the book of Ephesians, um, sorry, the book of Hebrews, it says this, we should spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We should encourage each other into the things of God. I said before, I've a spur is a pointy thing you stick inside of a horse. That's what a spur is, a cowboy boot spur. That's what it means. And so how are we gently prodding each other into the things of God? How are we gently prodding each other into love and good deeds? Who around you needs a prod this morning, a little poke, into the things of God? And again, we can ask this question of our non-believing friends. You feel you want to do this, but what's getting in the way? What's stopping you moving into that thing? My friends are on left work. What's stopping you doing what I'm doing, moving into what you think is your purpose in your life? They might have a whole range of different things they felt were stopping them. And the fourth question is a really good one. It's who are you influencing in this process? Who are you taking with you? As disciples of Jesus, one of our key jobs is to influence other people towards Jesus. So what in your life is worth expediting to someone else? What in your life is worth influencing someone else 
To be a disciple is to make disciples, is to influence other people towards Jesus. So we can rightfully ask each other, who are you influencing? Who are you taking with you? Who are you bringing along in the journey? You can influence people in a good way, and you can influence people in a bad way. Yeah? People can look at your life, and they can look at things that they want to emulate in a positive way or a negative way. It's been said that more is caught than taught. So you tend to catch from people, the people that you hang around, you tend to catch their behaviours, their habits, their actions. Uh, You tend to catch what they do, what they model, how they influence. Jesus modelled a life to us of Holy Spirit-led humanity on the earth. And so the disciples were watching him, trying to catch what he did and how he did it. What does your life model to other people? When people watch you and look at you, what are they seeing? And again, you're all sinking slightly lower in your seats. I can see it all happening. But it's a great question, isn't it? Who are you influencing as you respond to the Holy Spirit? How does the way you conduct yourself influence other people? What in your life is worth imitating? The Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He had a degree of confidence that he could point to himself and say, there's things in my life you can copy because I'm trying to copy Jesus. So what in your life is worth copying if someone else wants to follow Jesus? Who are you influencing? Who are you taking along? Again, not designed to intimidate us this question, but to cause us to stop and reflect. We've talked a lot about life, haven't we, being habit. Most of our life is habit. We do things habitually for good and for bad. So what habits do you have that are really worth copying? And what habits, you know, you'd say, don't copy this one because this is not particularly helpful. I need to sort that one out. Who are you influencing? Who are you taking along on the journey? One of the metaphors that Jesus used of disciples was we're supposed to be like salt. What does salt do? It brings flavour, doesn't it? It's very distinctive. You know if someone's got salt in it because you can taste it straight away. And he said, disciples, you're supposed to be like salt. You're supposed to be like salt in a positive way. You're supposed to bring a distinctive flavour and type to a situation, to a place, to a person. But he said, if you stop being salty, well then essentially you've just really lost your purpose. And he said, salt without saltiness is used for nothing really. You might just throw it out. And so if you're going to be a follower of Jesus and be spirit-led and be a person of try, then you are supposed to be like a salty person in a good way. Not, oh, there comes that person and I'm a bit, I need to move away from this person because they're annoying me. That's not salt in a good way, is it? But if people gravitate towards you because you're a positive influence or you're helping them get closer to Jesus, then you're being salt in the right way. If you aren't living a life that's purposeful and intentional, listening to the Spirit and responding to him, Jesus would say you're completely missing the point of your life because you're supposed to be a person of salt. So, who are you influencing? Who are you bringing along? Think of the people around you, the people that you influence, the people in your circles, friends, family, work colleagues. Think about how you influence them for good or for bad. Great question for this week. Who are you bringing along? Who are you helping to lift their eyes back to Jesus? And the last question is one of my favorite questions is, how can I help? How can I help you in this life of try? How can I help you respond to the person of Jesus? How can I help you overcome the obstacles that you're facing? How can I help you grow? How can I help you move into what God's saying? It's a wonderful question for each of us. It takes us out of culture's 
kind of independent sort of uh, paradigm that we live in, where we're all in isolation, we're independent. He says, how can I help you and support you? Kenny and I love to watch DIY SOS with Nick Knowles and the team. You know, they go into a a situation, it's normally a dire one with a family, and they go and they transform the the place where they live. And I love it right at the end. They've got all the builders assembled and their family come out, and there's loads of tears and thanks. And he just turns the camera right at the very end, last 30 seconds, he says, who can you help? You know, there might be a person in your street who needs your help. Who can you help? And it's a fantastic question. Who can you help? Maybe someone near, near you needs your help. That's the phrase that he uses. And so how can you help someone in your relationship circle in this life of try? How can you help someone respond to Jesus? We're wired to need help and we're wired to give help. That's the way God has made us. We're wired to live in community. So what help do you need and what help can you give? How can I help you? How can you help me? I've already said you can help me next week by saying what are you doing with that thing God said to you about time. What's getting in the way? How can I help you with that? You can come and ask these questions, no problem at all. Not all a big cue, please. But you can, you can, you can bring these questions to me and say, what, you know, so what's, what's happening with that, what God said to you? Five really simple questions. But they can create a really deep and meaningful conversation with anybody. Now, I don't want you to go around and repeat these parrot fashion to each other all the time, because that would get really annoying. But... The essence of what's in these questions is really important, isn't it? Because you and I are followers of Jesus, or we're trying to follow Jesus. You might be on a spiritual journey. You might be saying, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer to Jesus. And I can say to you, so what are you, what are you doing about that? How, you know, how is that going? How are you being authentic to that journey? This is a little toolkit that you can have for a significant conversation with anybody, inside or outside the church. Discipleship is follow through so how are you and i responding to the living god that we profess to worship yeah let's stand together if you're able this morning let's just uh, listen to the lord you might be thinking i've never heard god speak to me you know god's never spoken to me He can speak to you very simply this morning. Let's just close our eyes and wait on him. It might be be one word, as God said to me this morning, time. I was busy trying to think what might please God, and God just whispered a different word into my head. God might want to whisper just one word into your life this morning. He might want to say more, but Lord, we wait on your spirit. What do you want to say to us this morning, Lord Jesus? We thank you we serve a living God. Bless your presence. Thank you, Jesus. God can speak to you in all sorts of different ways. But the key thing is when God speaks, it's full of hope. It's full of encouragement. It's full of comfort. It's got that kingdom potential. God never condemns us. He never confuses us. We recognize the voice of the Spirit because it brings hope and transformation in our lives. So Lord, would you speak to us today? Would you speak to us this week? Would you help us to begin to respond to your leading, God? I thank you for, that we already do that, God. The fact we're here, we're responding to your leading. But I pray for more. I pray for more in our lives. 
Come Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.